The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Brendan Jeske, for those of you who don't know me. I am the youth pastor here at the King's Chapel. Um, and I just want to say before I get started, thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who don't know, a couple of weeks ago, our youth group went to Concord, West Virginia, and uh, six students that we know of that were fully scholarship by you as a church came to Christ. So awesome work, praise God, right? That's amazing. So that's, that's an amazing thing where we get to see what was dead brought to life. What was lost and far off come to Christ. And that, that's what was, the week was all about. And so thank you for making that happen. Thank you for providing a bus for the campers, a guest speaker, a band, and 15 full scholarships and six students coming to Christ. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But that is what we are going to be looking at and talking about today is something that was lost and really far off brought to Christ. That is what we are looking at today. And so as we get into this passage, as we get into this scripture, the question I have for you and the the framework for what I want you to focus on is do you know someone that is far off? Do you know someone that you have said there is no chance, there is no way that that person would come to Christ? They, they've, they're a lost cause. I think we all have people in our life like that, and I pray that the Holy Spirit, as we progress in this passage today, will bring those people to mind. Because what we're looking at today can be a little weird, uh, maybe a little scary, and I don't want us to lose focus on what is important. And this is what's important. It's a lost soul, someone that was way off, brought to life in Christ, Okay. So that's our focus as we read this passage today. So let us pray. Uh, Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your people, Lord. Thank you for the message that you have for us today, Lord. I pray that you will speak through me. Give me the words that your people need to hear this morning, Lord, that anything that is not of me will just be forgotten, Lord. That you will leave, leave us with action steps, that you will leave us reminded of our mission here on earth, Lord. Lord, thank you that we were once lost and far off and you found us. Lord, we pray that we will be able to do that to our friends as well as we begin this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, this passage might be a little weird and it might not fit your worldview, but it's in Mark chapter 5. And so in the back, actually, if you didn't get a sermon outline or some fill in the blanks for those of you who are really loving that type of stuff. And so you have some sermon outlines and you might have been excited and like, Mark's preaching today. Uh, Mark's not the only one that does outlines. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. So outlines back there, follow along. But I'm going to just read a quick verse here in chapter five of verse one. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. All right. So I'm going to stop there. That's it. That's my sermon. Just kidding. Um, This is a Gentile region. This is very important. So last week, we we learned that Jesus was traveling across the Sea of Galilee. They were in a storm. Jesus was asleep in the boat, and he gets up, and he says, be still. Be still. And the storms cease. Everything stops. Everything's quiet. And his disciples realize that he has power. He has authority. They've seen him heal. They've seen him do miracles. But this 
This is power over nature. And so we see that. We see that he has power over humans. We see that he has power over nature. And as he is making this journey across the Sea of Galilee, he has a very specific mission. He's on a mission for that lost soul that we were talking about, that that person that's far off from Jesus. And they're coming across out of the storm. And we're going to meet some, some weird, weird stuff. But this, this story is very important because as I continue, as, as we progress in this passage, I want you to know something, and it's that demons exist. Spiritual forces, spiritual powers exist. They're real. I, I have seen some things in my life that I won't be sharing today about demons and possession and all sorts of stuff that I have seen and I have witnessed, and it, it's no secret to me anymore that these powers exist in the world. And so as we read, you can say, uh, this doesn't fit my, my worldview. This doesn't fit my view of Scripture. It's what Scripture says. It's in Matthew. It's in Mark. It's in Luke. It's in three different Gospels. It says it. It's here. And so as we progress, uh, the question is, do you believe in demons? Do you believe in angels? Do you believe in a spiritual realm? Do you believe in principalities? Do you believe that there are forces in this world that are trying to destroy you, that are trying to destroy your friends? <laughs> Fun stuff, right? And this man, this man in this passage that we are reading about was so far gone. He's so far gone, and he has demons in his life. Okay, and so remember, our focus, though, isn't, isn't on this, this de- demonic world. It's not on the 6,000 uh, <laughs> demons that are in this guy. It's on a lost soul in need of saving. That's our focus, okay? So evil exists, sin exists, demons are real. And know that not everything in this world is demonic. Not everything is, not all evil and sin is from Satan and demons, but some is. Some is and to say that man, the man in this passage, the man that we're going to read about, was just kind of crazy or, or didn't have his mind right, which is true, but to say that there were no demons involved, I think robs Jesus of his power. It robs Jesus of, of his he's witness, control over humans, he has control over nature, and now he is going to demonstrate control over spiritual realms that are beyond any human's comprehension. So I would beg you to not rob Jesus of his power and his presence in this scripture and in this passage. So, here we go. Our focus, a lost soul in need of Christ. Starting in verse 2. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him night and day among the tombs and on the mountains. He was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. <laughs> this man, it was once free. He was, he was just like you and me, but he made some dark choices. He made some decisions in his life that brought him to this point. He invited some spiritual forces into his life, and he is not a man anymore. He is dead He's living among tombs. He's cast out from society. He's, he's screaming in utter anguish, and he's tormented so much to the point where he's cutting himself. He hates himself. He's tormented by these spirits, and he is 
dead. He is far off. He is the last person in the entire world that we think would be saved. He's dead. He's gone. And then we don't see that. We see that this man, that's, he's lost alone. He's, he's possessed by unfriendly evil forces. He's beyond a human saving. And he's not going to be constrained. He's not going to be subdued. He's not going to be overcome. And he is a doormat in his own household. His house is not his own. His mind is not his own. His body is not his own. And we don't know what's brought him to this point, but he had to have made some choices. He had to have invited some spiritual forces into his life. But that is why Jesus is here. That is why Jesus specifically crossed the Sea of Galilee for this moment, for this man. And he's here right now. In verse 6, And when he saw Jesus from afar, He ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Just so you know, uh, a legion consists of 6,000 men, 6,000 soldiers. Okay, so we know that there was at least 6,000 demons inside of this man. And his body was a plaything and a house for these, these spirits, these demons. And they're beyond any human's ability to heal or to cast out. And they have such a hold of this man that at first it seems like they ignore Jesus' command. Come out of him, you unclean spirit. They ignore it and they're holding on to this man. They have a firm grip on this man. And we see that they begin to kind of barter with him, with Jesus. They're unwilling to let go of this man. They're plaything. And they're bargaining now for their very existence. But what we see here is as Jesus approaches, as this man is running towards him with these, these spirits, is, is not an attack. He's not attacking them, but he falls at the feet of Jesus. Because even demons bow at the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. They fall down and they're begging him, please don't torment us. They're scared. They're in fear and terror of recognizing who Jesus is. And they know Jesus is the son of God and they're terrified. And this is important because God is revealed. God is revealed in this moment. Yet again, he was revealed in the storm, but he is further revealed in this moment where demons recognize him as the son of God. Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a man. He's not just a great teacher. He's not just a a healer, but he is God himself in the flesh. And he has come to set the captive free. And Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And 6,000, 2 million, doesn't matter what the number of demons inside of this man, they, they will not overcome this man because he has power over them. It doesn't matter how many Spiritual forces, the powers of of darkness are nothing to Jesus. They're nothing to God. And we're going to see that in this this passage here. Jesus is God. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he has absolute authority. He has absolute power to overcome these forces. So, verse 10, and he begged him 
earnestly not to send them out of the country. And now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And this, just the, the herd of pigs just further indicates to us that this is a Gentile region, that this is enemy territory because pigs are unclean creatures to Jewish people and they wouldn't have a herd of them, right? So uh, back to the passage. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what had happened. <laughs> so bizarre. Like, that's bizarre, right? <laughs> it's bizarre. But these demons are, are evil, evil creatures, and they need a living host in order for them to inflict the most damage on, on society, on the people around them. And they know that Jesus isn't going to let them go into another human. So they're looking around and they're like, send us to those pigs. Maybe on the hopes that they'll like use them as a bridge to go somewhere else. But send us into the pigs. And they could not foresee that we know of. They couldn't foresee that these pigs would just be like, we're going to take a dive off a cliff and kill ourselves, right? There's no chance that they would get into a host that was going to kill themselves. So they enter into these pigs thinking that they're going to deal more damage so that they'll be able to continue on with their work. And they overwhelm these pigs and they take a dive off a cliff and they drown. And you can imagine as you're a herdsman watching like what is going on? And the herdsmen, they, they book it out of there. They run back to the village and they tell the people of what is going on and who Jesus is and what he's doing there. And they freak out. And this crowd begins to gather and comes back to see Jesus and, and the man that was possessed. The man that was possessed. Verse 15. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid. And it, it seems like they're, they're afraid, right, of the, the man sitting there the demon-possessed man, he was fearful be, to begin with, but now he's in his right mind, and they're not, they're not scared of him. They're scared of Jesus. They're terrified of Jesus Christ. Having seen this man that was possessed, that was screaming, that was terrorizing their region, he's sitting there in his right mind. They've seen 2,000 pigs run off a cliff, and they're terrified of Jesus Christ. They're scared. They're afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And so what do we see here? We see God rejected. That's your second filling. God rejected. They, imagine this. They have the Son of God, Jesus Christ, on their shore. The giver of life. He's on their shore. And they ask him to leave. They're like, thank you, but no thanks, we're good. Please leave, we don't want this. The people are concerned, they're concerned with what this disruption of Jesus Christ's presence will bring on their, their region, on their economy. They're like, what, what else is he gonna kill? He just killed 2,000 pigs, what else is he gonna destroy? <laughs> and this, uh, this pigs rushing off the cliff, I just wanna address it <laughs> real fast. It could be foreshadowing, it could be a number of things. It could be foreshadowing of the demons and the final destruction, right? Them all dying. It could be just uh, a picture of the spiritual beings leaving the person and the, the pigs rushing off, so there's a visual representation. But you're like, man, if you're like someone uh, that cares about animals a lot, you're like, those poor pigs. 
Those poor pigs, right? 2,000 pigs just went to their death. Does Jesus not care about pigs? Does he not care about animals, right? And I think that we need to give Jesus the moral benefit of the doubt because he's God, right? Um, easy. But I also think, and this is, this is what I, I believe as I was reading this, is that as humans, as image bearers of, of Christ, you have infinite value. You have infinite value when it comes to God. He, he values this man's life, this demon-possessed man's life, so much more than a pig. So much more than 2,000 pigs, so much more than jewels, so much more than rubies. You here have infinite value. The God of the universe loves you and would do anything for you and he would do anything for your friends. Those ones that you labeled in in the beginning of my sermon that you labeled, hey, they're far off. They're they're gone. They're not coming to Christ. They're never going to come to church. They're never going to do this. He places infinite value on them. And there is nothing, no length he would go to to not bring them, to bring them into his kingdom. But one thing we know about Jesus is to see he offers us a choice. And so in this moment, he could argue with these people. He could be like, I cast out 6,000 demons. I, I performed a miracle over spiritual powers. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't make a scene. He just graciously leaves. He leaves their shores. And as he is leaving, something, something happens um, but before that, I want you to, to know this, is that as he is on the shore, as he's with these people, he's offering them a choice. He's offering them to choose him or to continue. And some of us, maybe, maybe we have things in our life that we're not willing to give up, like these people. They, they have maybe a love of money or a love of power or a love of the things of this world, and they're not willing to give them up no matter what Jesus has to offer And they're choosing those things. They're choosing economic resources, whatever it is, over Jesus Christ. Maybe like the demon-possessed man, they're they're worshiping other gods and they're, they're following other gods and doing other things. But there are those of us here that have a choice. You have a choice to either follow Jesus or to not. And what we see from Jesus is that he doesn't argue. He just, he leaves. He leaves. And this is who he leaves for those people. He doesn't leave them empty-handed. He, he sends out one of the first missionaries into the field, and it's very exciting. If you look at the fir- one of the first missionaries to go out into the field, it's God redeems. Number three, God redeems. One thing I love about Jesus and I love about this passage is he doesn't debate the people. He doesn't argue with them. No, he listens, he leaves, he accomplishes his mission, and he knows that this initial rejection is not a final rejection. You don't know what kind of seeds you're throwing. You don't know who's going to accept Christ or who's not, but you can speak love and you can speak truth to your friends, and he does that, and he leaves, and he leaves in capable hands of this man. And this man that he's leaving didn't go to seminary. He didn't read his Bible. He didn't pray. He didn't do any of those things. He was just a man, and he was just a man that was dead, right? He was demon-possessed. He was far off, and he's leaving him in this place. And here's what it says in verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. 
And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And what do we typically see from Jesus when it comes to his miracles, when it comes to the things that he does? It's, shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. Don't say a word. Right? That's what we typically see from Jesus. But here, he's sending out one of the first missionaries, this man. Like I said, look at his credentials. He doesn't seem the most qualified to go out and spread the gospel, spread the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. What does he have? He has his story. And some of you have stories. And, and you don't need to, to be like, oh, I'm, I'm spending time. You, those are good things. Spending time in prayer, reading your Bible, those are all good things. But as Christians, we are called to go out. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to reach our friends. And this man, uneducated, goes out, tells his story, shares his story, and starts priming this region for the gospel of Jesus Christ for when Jesus goes and dies, when he's buried, and when he's resurrected, they are ready for this gospel when it comes because of this man. He was not too far gone from Jesus. Jesus sends him. He sends him to tell his story. What was beyond saving to our eyes, Jesus saved for his purpose. And something that we need to realize is this is not our home. This is not our final destination. We have a mission. Did you know that in the Bible, God specifically gives you a mission as Christians? He gives us all a mission. And are you fulfilling your mission? Who have you labeled a lost cause? Who is too far gone? Who is that person in your life that needs Jesus? And are you speaking love to them? Are you, have you called them? Have you texted them? Have you prayed for them? One of my, my favorite uh, scriptures is Isaiah 43. That's where I, I got the, the redeemed sermon title from. And it says this in Isaiah 43, 1. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Jesus wants to redeem this world. He wants to redeem your friends. He wants to bring a new life. That is why he has come. That is why he crossed the shores of of our lives and stepped onto our shore and said, choose me or choose this world. And what he offers is a free gift, a free gift of eternal life that we get to, just like those six students that accepted Christ at camp, I get to spend eternity with them because of what you guys did and your impact and providing scholarships for those students. But you have been given a mission by God. Are you fulfilling your mission? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you reaching the lost in the environments that only you can enter? Do people know in your job sites that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of Christ? It's not a popular thing to to be right now, but do they know that? Because apart from Christ, apart from what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, what is the point? What is the point to this world? What is the point to our existence? We have the best news that we can offer to anybody. 
And are you sharing that news with others? Are you bringing them into environments where life change happens? Are you inviting them to small groups? Are you inviting them to church? Are you inviting them to your soccer leagues or wherever it is? And this is the mission that that I wanted to, to close with and talk about. And it's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And this is the mission. This is, this is what Jesus commands Christians to do in the Bible. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is God. Jesus is redeemer. Jesus has, has power over us as humans. He has power over spiritual realms. He has power over nature. He has ultimate power and authority. And he came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. That was his purpose. And he gave that mission and his purpose to us as believers. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. He has called you by name. He has redeemed you. You are his. You belong to him. And if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal savior, he's on the shore and he's begging you to be with him. He's offering you life and life eternal. And he loves you. You have infinite value to the God of the universe. Who are we? Who are you? Who are we that Jesus Christ, that the Son of God, looks on you and values you so highly, loves you so highly, cares for you so much? And he crosses the sea. He crosses the sea into the storm. And this one man, this demon-possessed man, 6,000 demons, is not beyond his help. And you have friends, I have friends, that we've labeled lost causes, and I want you, as, as the band is, is coming up, I want you to be thinking about that. I want to I give you a time of prayer and maybe writing down those names on, on a piece of paper and to begin to just pray for those people. Maybe, maybe you have an action step from the Lord. Maybe the Lord's told you something that you need to do today from this sermon. Maybe he's convicted your heart a little bit. And that's what I pray. I pray that he has convicted us today because there is no one too far gone. There's no one too far gone for Christ. And so as the band comes up, I want you to reflect on those, those names, those thoughts, those people that have come to your mind and write them down, think about them, pray about them. And I'm gonna close in prayer. Uh, dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord, that he stepped on our shore. Lord, that he came and, and desired to be with us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your gift of life. Thank you, Lord, for the example that you set Lord, on what is lost, what is far off, things that we have labeled so long gone, Lord, that, that you say no. They are not. That's why you came. You came for the lost. You came for the broken. You came for the sick. You came for the desperate. You came for the, the possessed, Lord. I, I just thank you for that. I thank you that you stepped into our lives, Lord. I pray that you will convict us to lead us to action. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's never accepted your good news, Lord, I pray that they, they know that they no, no longer have to be slaves, Lord. They no longer have to be ashamed, or that you have come to set them free. Lord, I pray that they will uh, 
ask, ask you to come into their life, that they will believe in what you did in your death and burial and resurrection, and they will choose this day to follow you. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.